is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 520, recorded Thursday, March 18th, 2021. Happy day after St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Happy day after St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, I forgot to mention St. Patrick's Day a couple nights ago when we recorded. So as we sit here right now, it's the day after St. Patty's Day. I hope everyone had a good time and celebrated leprechauns or St. Patrick or whatever it's all about. Irish culture. There you go. <laughs> That's what I said, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hey man, I'm a, I'm an Irish citizen. I can, I can talk about the Irish like that. You are. And I knew that, but I don't know why. Why are you an Irish citizen? Because my grandmother was born there and my other grandparents were born in England. And when I looked into getting that passport, they said, nope. No, no, thank you. We don't want you. So I looked into Ireland and they said, sure, come on in. We're friendly people. Nice. And, and I became an Irish citizen. So uh, I have a European Union passport, which is handy because, you know, my wife's family's all there and it's not in Ireland, but in another part of Europe. And so it made traveling when we used to be able to do that over there a little bit easier. Nice. Excellent. 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 Yeah. Do you have to pay taxes over there? I do not. I am what's called a foreign born national of Ireland. Okay. Well, that's good. So I'm also a Canadian and I pay lots of taxes here. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, okay, good. Yeah. Well, happy Irish uh, Heritage Day, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you very much. St. Patrick's Day as well. Christopher okay. O'Fairhurst. <laughs> that's what I'm known as. Uh, we are here, of course, to do our feedback for the last episode of The Walking Dead. And I think without further ado, we will get right into it. So here we go. Listener feedback. Now I need to mention something off the top here. And speaking of Ireland, actually, this is, mm -hmm. uh, this is appropriate. You know how I always tell people to go to our website and click on send voicemail at the top? Sure. I say that a lot towards the end of the episode. Yeah. I stopped listening by then, but yes, I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you do. Well, uh, that's a great way to send us messages, except until this week, apparently, because for the first time ever, and we've been using that little tool on the website for years and years and years now, and the first time ever, two messages came in this week that just randomly cut off in the middle, and I don't know why. So I'm a little bit hmm. concerned about that. One of them was from Tomas in Ireland, and I really wanted to play his message, but unfortunately it just cuts off, and so I couldn't really do it. Um, another one from another listener was sort of editable. So I fixed it a little bit. I don't know what we missed, unfortunately, but I still use that one later on in the podcast. So Tomas, I'm really sorry, man, uh, that I can't play your message when I have a minute, I'm going to look into what is up with that thing. But in the meantime, if you want to send us messages, you know, email's great or, you know, record it on your phone and then email us the file and I'll figure out what's wrong with the, the recording widget on the website. Well, that's shitty. Did you open up a support ticket or is it not really a, uh, an external uh, company that supports that? No, it is. It, it is an external company called SpeakPipe. And uh, I will open a support ticket. I have to. I haven't yet, but because I, I only just really realized that earlier today when I was listening to uh, some, of the, some of the messages preparing for this. So hmm. I'll see what I can do. Not sure what the problem is, but 
apologies to to anyone, or at least you two that recorded messages. Other ones came in okay, so I'm not sure where the problem is. Cool. Anyhow, having said all that, let's get started here with an email from Jacob in Auckland, New Zealand. Jacob writes, just wanted to say I really enjoyed this episode compared to last week. I like where the show, I like when the show explores the wider world and what has happened to humanity as a whole, just as much as the main plot lines. Hmm. So what this made me think of, Jason, is the uh, um, anthology Walking Dead show that's coming up in a couple of years, or maybe less than that time now, where we're going to get stories from the Walking Dead universe that are all kind of disconnected and stuff. So Jacob, you might be really into that show. Yeah, I would think so. And, and, and I assume Jacob, you're talking about uh, the walking dead and not, uh, our show. Cause, uh, you, you know, he started off by saying, just wanted to say, I really enjoyed the episode compared to last week. <laughs> so maybe, maybe he was talking about us, but then the, the next sentence kind of goes on and uh, makes me think that he's talking about the walking dead and not just us. Well, you know, we do tend to have a tendency to explore the wider world at times as we <laughs> meander yeah. off on side conversations. So maybe he was talking about us, but I assumed yeah. it was Walking Dead. It's <laughs> a very nice way to put it, Chris. Yeah, it really is. Uh, that show is going to be called Tales of the Walking Dead, just so you don't forget. And it's coming, I think, 2022 sometime. So we've got a little bit of time to wait, but Jacob, keep your eyes open for that. It might be right up your alley. Yeah, and it'll come soon enough. Believe you me. That's right. All right, next we have an email from Andy, currently sporting an unwanted mini mullet, desperately awaiting the reopening of a hair of hairdressers in the UK. <laughs> I love that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a long name, but you know, if you're, if you're going to have a long name, probably is going to be in the UK somewhere. Yeah. Uh, all right, Andy writes, I thought the opening sequence with the blood splatters on the flowers was very effective and well shot. All of the episodes so far in this strange mini season have been well shot, well acted, but man, these really are just glorified webisodes, aren't they? Can't help but feel each of the three could have been 10 minutes long and got the same information over to the viewer. I've got a bad feeling this is going to affect the ratings enough that by the time the last season airs, it's going to limp out around 1 million viewers max, which would be a sorry ending for, uh, for once a must view show. Well, that is kind of a bummer, but Andy, I think, and I hope that the opposite is going to happen, right? It's the final season. People are going to get reinvigorated for it. Listen, uh, viewers are going to come back. They're going to, it's going to pick up steam towards the end. And we're going to go out with many more millions than just 1 million people watching each episode on Sunday nights. I think what we have here is a very good example of hopes versus expectations. Uh-huh. So uh, let's hope that our hopes meet our expectations. Yeah, you were kind of talking about that the other night too, right? You have to adjust your expectations a little bit and hope for whatever you want. Yeah, that's right. And as a friend of the show, Dave, once said, uh, normal gets worse as time goes on. <laughs> Did he coin that? <laughs> it's where I heard it from, and I've been spouting it off for years ever since. All right. Very, very good. Uh, anyways, yeah, thank you, Andy, for that. Uh, I also enjoyed the blood splatters on the flowers at the beginning of this one pretty good. And of course, the grasshopper, which we talked about last uh, time. It It is a different way to show us what was going on without actually showing us, you know? Mm -hmm. Having blood spray all over something nice and pretty like a flower. Yeah. 
All right, here we go with a call from Jennifer. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. This is Jennifer in Minneapolis. You guys said you'd like to hear people's voices, so I am going to try to make a few more voice recordings, um, although it makes me super nervous. But anyway, I had some feedback about the last episode of The Walking Dead, and I just realized after you guys were talking about the skeletons and everything, I just realized what it made me think of, and it made me think of National Geographic's um, spread back in the 80s on Pompeii and the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with that story. And I loved looking at the pictures of the skeletons and the embraces, and I just thought that was the most beautiful thing. And so this episode really reminded me of that, and I just loved it. I just thought it was totally amazing what they did, and um, I just wanted to share that with you because I it just reminded me of that story and um, being a kid and being obsessed with the beauty of that tragedy. So thanks again for everything that you do and looking forward to the feedback show. Thanks, guys. Bye. Super cool. Thank you, Jennifer, for that. Kind of morbid, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. You know, a beautiful, horrific death experience. And, I, you know, while, uh, while listening to that, I was thinking if I do die in an apocalypse, I hope that I die in such a way that will be inter- interesting for archaeologists uh, thousands of years from now. Assuming there are any archaeologists left or people in general wow. thousands of years from now. They don't have to be human. That's true. Very, very they true. It could be somebody else coming from outside the world or a uh, an amoeba that has evolved into some kind of... Uh, you know, sentient creature that goes, what the hell? Yeah, coming from <laughs> outer space humans. or the bottom yeah. of the ocean. <laughs> either either one. Either one, really, yeah. I also just like the idea that, you know, this show or, or really any show or piece of entertainment can remind you of something you loved as a kid, right? Bring back memories of anything, whatever it might be. And it's it's fun that that happened for Jennifer in this case and her... Uh, her interest as a kid in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Yeah. And it, it, it's an interesting thought that, uh, comes from, uh, the asshole Orson Scott card, uh, whom I have spouted hateful things, uh, about him in the past. Uh, his books were seminal, to, seminal to my youth and very important to me. And then once I found out who that guy was, I hate them all and everything he stands for. Uh, Anyway, he once wrote in a foreword that any work of fiction is not, uh, you know, the author. Uh, it's the it's a combination of the author and the reader, or in our case, the uh, the creators of the show and the viewers. Because without our own experiences, uh, the fictional work almost means nothing, right? Like we have to invest ourselves into the storytelling, and it means something different to every every person. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, you can't just have, you know, fiction in a vacuum. It's, it's a, it's a collaboration between the, the creators and the viewers. Yeah. So that's a, that's a wonderful example of that, that it, it, you know, things mean something and remind you and evoke something from your past. Um, it's, it's very powerful. It's, it's really good. Yeah. That's very, very similar to, uh, the way I think about it sometimes too, you know, you can create something as a TV show creator or a writer or whatever. And like, it's yours until you release it to the world. And then it's not yours anymore because everyone yeah. watches it and inject, injects their own, uh, experience and emotions into it. And you're right. 
That's that's how I feel about uh, projects in my professional life. I, I projects are never completed; they're abandoned. They're given away. Basically. <laughs> they're given away, and then, well, you know, based on the nature of my work personally, uh, I'm ripped away from them, uh, whether I like it or not, and uh, I never go back. <laughs> right, just never so, go back. You can never, never go back. home, and you don't yeah. want to. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on. So uh, next we have an email from Joni in Austin, Texas. I am an AMC Plus subscriber and Angela Kang did an interview after the show. She said that Mazes, 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 brother uh-huh. was forced to play Russian roulette with his family and it drove him crazy. I didn't catch this. Were there any clues that I missed? Also, Mazes' brother must have been chained up for years based on his hair length. I've, uh, I have long hair and it grows about four to six inches a year. His hair was several feet long, so he had to have been tortured for a long time. Yeah, it, it sure seemed like it. Now, I will say that it's possible that he'd been growing that hair slash beard maybe since the zombie apocalypse started, but was only chained up for a short time. Like he wasn't necessarily full beard hair man, you know, when he was, or like he wasn't clean shaven when he was chained up, (laughs) but, uh, we don't know that. We don't know either way. It's hard to say. He, he looked like a wild man that had been chained to the wall for a very long time. Uh, yes, he, he really did. I mean, he seemed to behave as though he had been chained there for an awful long time as well, but we don't, we don't know for sure, but either way. Yeah. He was, uh, he was Mr. Beardo. That's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and it also, now that we're talking about it, reminds me of something I remember from my past where, uh, they had, I forget what was going on on TV. It was just a horrific event where they showed a prisoner, uh, in China that had been released after years of being chained up and the chains around his wrist had, his body had grown around the chains. Oh my God. So the skin kind of, uh, you know how trees grow, around fences. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the same thing happened with this guy and his chains after being chained to a wall for years. Wow. So, uh, you know, if Mazes' brother was chained to the wall for a long time, uh, you could probably tell that the, the handcuffs, there would be not only welts, but his body would have started to grow around him. Like my wedding ring. My fingers have gotten way fatter since uh, I got married. And if I take my wedding ring off, there is definitely an indentation there. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) So, so you never take it off or do you just. No, I I take it off. I just took it off. I can, I can still take it off, which is nice. Oh good. I don't have to cut it off or anything, but uh, (laughs) there's definitely a physical, not just a, you know, a visual mark, but a physical ridge. Sure. That's there. So it's, it's comfy. It's fine. That's what happens. Body's growing around it. At some point, it'll just disappear under flaps of finger skin. Yeah, and that's yeah. what you're that's what you're going for, right? Yeah, much much like my belt. <laughs> Not finger skin, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Um, I I th- I have a call here from Scott that I think answers one of Joni's questions about Mazes is his brother playing Russian roulette. So I'm going to play that now. Hey guys, it's Scott from Kingston. I just wanted to give feedback on a few things from the recap show. Uh, one, as much as I loved Jason's lesson in the disprovability of the absolute universal in logic, I did uh, I did want to point out that Gabriel didn't say that all people were evil. He just said that evil was the rule 
as opposed to the exception of, to the rule. So just that most people are evil. Um, second, um, I, I noticed just comments on that scene with the Russian roulette. I did think it was interesting that they made it so that Aaron had the gun when they made up the thing about the bullet going into the chamber. I think that was on purpose, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, because I think if it was Gabriel, he definitely would have shot Maze. but because it was Aaron, he had more hesitation about doing it. Um, even though he really shouldn't have, and I don't know if that really justifies this, the scene, but I think it helps too. Um, the third thing was, um, and I'm sure you're probably going to get a lot of people making this comment, but at the end, when they go upstairs and see Maze's brother, if you uh, listen carefully, he says, he made me play, he made me play, um, which I'm pretty certain means that he made him play Russian roulette with his family. And I think that's why his family is dead. I don't think it was a thing where they were dead and he put them there. I think Maze's brother was forced to kill his own family uh, by Maze. Um, and uh, that's it. Last thing, uh, really, really hope that that uh, water tower in the distance is uh, red herring uh, for anybody who knows the comics. Anyway, I did really like this episode. Probably my favorite of 10C so far. So uh, anyway, thanks for the podcast. Keep it up. Great. Thank you so much, Scott. He was a little plosive there, so I apologize for that. It's not much I could do. But um, he did mention that Maze's brother upstairs says, yeah, he made me play. He made me play. So basically he told us and the characters that right. that uh, Maze made him play Russian roulette with his own family. So that was definitely there. But it was it was tricky sort of to understand what that dude was saying at the time, I thought. Yeah. So, so Joni, uh, yes, there's something we all missed, uh, <laughs> except for Scott, who's uh, a genius. And, uh, I'll take his point about, uh, Father Gabriel, not saying all people are evil, just it's the rule that people are evil and any exception to the rule is coincidental. Yeah. Fair enough. Except yep. for him, because, uh, you know, you remember how we met Father Gabriel, he was in a church after, uh, not letting any of his parishioners in. So, uh, he purposefully you know, basically killed his whole parish uh, <laughs> because he didn't want, because he was either afraid or didn't want to share his food. Whatever his reasons. Uh, yes. He let all those people die outside to save himself. That's right. That's what we know about Father Gabe. So he's a, he's a bastard to begin with, right? So we know that about him. And if this wasn't reinforcement of that, I don't know what was. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that Scott said is that Aaron had the gun when the, when we found out the bullet was loaded. And I, I think that does make sense. I think it's, well, as we've just said, I think it's more within Aaron's character to hesitate and not try to take that shot. Whereas father Gabe might've gone for it if he was, he definitely would have gone for it because, yeah. uh, you know, another rule that they didn't really touch on, but the, the rule that I'm now going to live, uh, live by is you never hand a loaded gun to a one-eyed preacher with a hangover. <laughs> that's a really good rule. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's <laughs> down. I'm writing that down. That's done. Yeah. Perfect. So when next time you're in that situation, keep that in mind because there's right. got to be a better option. <laughs> there always is. Always. All right. Next we have an email from Dale in Maryland. Uh, what type of kitchen timer works that way? They set it, then they throw it. It starts ringing immediately and then doesn't stop. Huh. 
kitchen timers don't work this way. Incredibly sloppy. Takes me back to the upside down car landing on wheels or Glenn under the dumpster. They just don't care to make sense. I, I, I don't understand what it is about that kitchen timer that doesn't work that way. It, it, you set it and when it counts down to zero, it rings. Now it may, it may not ring, uh, no, it dings. It just goes ding. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it doesn't have a, like, you don't wind it up so it goes bling, 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 bling. You wind it once and then it dings when it gets to the end. Mm. I don't think it rings like an alarm clock. Okay. Well, that, that may be true. It didn't strike me as that odd, though. I did feel like this is the kind of thing that might exist where it just counts down a little bit. And when it gets to zero, it starts ringing. But I, I get it. You wouldn't use that to wake yourself up in the morning because. You no, have to, it's only 45 seconds. That's what I mean. You have to wake up to set it, go back to sleep and then wake up 45 seconds later. It doesn't <laughs> seem very efficient. I had a clock useful. like that. It was a little handheld clock and it had a four minute snooze button, not a nine minute, a four minute snooze button, but it was small enough that I could fall asleep with it in my hand and I would, uh, I would hit the snooze button like a third of the way through the first beep of every time it started to ring. It'd be beep. And then it would, I'd turn it off and I'd sleep for four minutes and beep. And then I'd turn it off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did that for a long time. That's funny. Um, that's when I was amazed that, uh, to find out that there was a 7 a.m. All right. Now that's. <laughs> You know, two hours after you wake up every day. That's, that's normal now. Yeah. Oh, normally, yeah. But, uh, I, I was barely aware of that time slot, uh, back in my twenties. Okay. Well, I, I didn't think the kitchen timer, or maybe it's not a kitchen timer, but some sort of alarm, timer. alarm clock in this episode. I didn't think it was that weird, but, uh, maybe it's, I don't know. Maybe it is. I, I think Dale's right. I don't think that they work that way. I, now, you know, now that he mentions it, she mentions it, Dale. Male, female could be probably anyway. Probably male. I I knew a Dale. Okay, a woman named Dale once. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't. I think they just ding. I think they just they just ding. I don't think they ring. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe maybe not. But I'm sure someone out there will will let us know if this thing exists. Uh, on the same topic, Karen in Los Angeles says, "I thought the scene with the kitchen timer was awesome, and all I could think was, don't go in the long grass." Which yeah. actually is really good advice in the zombie apocalypse. If you don't know what's in the grass, don't walk through it. Yeah. When in doubt, burn it down. Like just light the grass on fire, let it burn, find out what's there. And see how many now on fire zombies you have. There you go. There you go. You thinking? All right. Next is an email from Ryan in Massachusetts. This episode felt like a 43 minute horror movie. It had nothing to do with the main storyline. It was just two characters who ran into a crazy guy who had his crazy brother tied up in the attic. It reminded me of the book The Road or anything by Stephen King. I hope we get more episodes like this in the future because it was very scary and quite unsettling, which is always when The Walking Dead is at its best. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I've read The Road. That's Cormac McCarthy, author? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Wasn't that a movie with uh, Viggo Morganson? Uh, there was a movie. It might've been him. Yeah. I, I only saw the movie. I never read the book. Okay. Hopefully I got the author right, but I'm doubting myself now. But anyways, um, 43 minute horror movie. Like that's pretty cool. You know, I didn't feel that as much maybe as, as Ryan, but if that's what he got out of it, then that's fantastic. You know, there's lots of great horror zombie stuff out there. And I wouldn't say The Walking Dead has really gone down that route 
too often, but every now and then I guess it does. And that's what Ryan's looking for. So very cool. Yeah. And again, hopefully we get, uh, more like this in the anthology series. Oh yeah. I bet you, we will. We'll get all kinds of different genres in that one. Um, the, the more I think about that, the more I'm looking forward to that show. I think maybe even probably more than the Daryl and Carol show coming up. Yeah. The Daryl and Carol comedy hour. <laughs> exactly. You know, <laughs> I think the anthology one, just because of the different takes they could have, and frankly, any time frame too, early apocalypse, mid, late characters we haven't seen in a long time. You never know what they might do. I think there's lots of possibility there and I look forward to it. What's it going to be called again? Tales from the Walking Dead Zone? Uh, Tales of the Walking Dead or something like that. Yeah. Okay. It's like Tales from the Crypt and the Twilight Zone, all mixed together. All mixed together. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Here comes a call from Cat. Hi guys, this is Kat from New Jersey, and I wanted to just point out a couple of things I noticed about the episode one more. In this episode, Father Gabe is kind of put to trust in luck and chance as opposed to normally putting his trust and faith in God. So I saw a little foreshadowing of this early on the episode when Father Gabe and Aaron are killing the zombies and the blood splatters on the cricket, and on the flowers, and also on a four-leaf clover. When they go to the mini-mart, there's a poster behind the ATM that says Lucky 13 Lottery, which the lottery is a game of luck and chance. Then they go to the warehouse, and they're drinking and gambling and, you know, playing cards, which is a combination of skill and luck and chance. And then ultimately, they need to engage in Maze's game of Russian Roulette. And the title of the episode, One More, comes from Father Gabe's, you know, desire, just one more chance, one more chance to find food, you know, just one more building. But also, Maze kind of pushes it where he wants them, you know, one more chance with the click of the gun, one more chance with the bullet. So he's kind of pushing that also. Thank you so much. Um, let me know what you think. Thanks. Thank you, Kat. Fantastic call. And I think this was the other one that got cut off a bit in the middle there, but you wouldn't have known if I hadn't said anything. I didn't know that was the one. I thought my edit, edit was pretty good there, but I love this interpretation of the episode. She mentions yeah. the four-leaf clover at the beginning, the lucky 13 lottery, the fact that the guys are gambling and playing cards. You know, Russian roulette is a game of chance. It's all very, very obvious when she points it out, but I hadn't really considered it, right? That there's all kinds of luck and chance going on in this episode. There was also Let's Make a Deal with uh, uh, Aaron being behind the door. Like, what's behind door number one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let's shoot through and find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they did on Let's Make a Deal, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they Yeah. They gave everybody firearms and you know, started shooting up the place. <laughs> and said, fire at the door you want. And if it's, if whatever's behind it is still alive, it's all yours. Yeah. I th I think I come from the Berenstein Bears uh, alternate reality where uh, maybe that was the, uh, the norm and, and let's make a deal. Uh, <laughs> probably not this reality. Oh, maybe not. But I like Kat's interpretation of this episode. Something I yeah. hadn't really considered, but there's a lot of it in there. There is. Really good stuff. Thank you, Kat. Uh, next, we have a call from Anwin in New Zealand. 
Hey guys, what an episode. I'm actually really enjoying these kind of closer, more intimate episodes. Um, this was a real contrast to last week's lovey-dovey one though. Holy crap, it was pretty intense. Um, I really liked how it showed the desperation and the decay and just how awful everything is as far into the apocalypse when they're out there trying to find food. Um, Robert Patrick was amazing as the batshit crazy terminator of the apocalypse <laughs> and um, I just thought the performances were incredible the tension was amazing in that scene where they had to play that Russian roulette game and I think it was right up there with some of the other massively tense moments like um, the trough scene back in season five and Negan with the baseball bat it was just horrifying and I was pretty sure Gabe was going to kill him. Um, I thought it was going to happen earlier. I thought he was just going to take the chance with the gun and just try it out on him. Um, and I just think he's so badass and it had to happen. I mean, this guy was never going to fit in growing tomatoes back at Alexandria, was he? Anyway, awesome episode. Keep up the great work, guys. Bye. Thank you, Anwen. So clearly, Jason, now that I've had a little bit of time to reflect on it a little bit more, the mm-hmm. the gun having you know, telling us that the bullet was chambered, if that's the right word, in the gun and giving us that information was a red herring. Everybody clearly expected them to try to shoot Maze right then and there, but yep. they didn't. And so nobody really saw Father Gabe with the mace arm coming at the end and taking him out. I mean, that's, it worked. It worked, to be honest. We were, t- I was thinking about the gun the whole time and I didn't see the mace coming. <laughs> That's, that's true. It did come out of nowhere. Yeah, it, it did. I mean, even though, like, I don't want to get into the fact that, you know, Gabe was supposed to be sitting right there and how did he get up and sneak around and pick the thing up and stuff like that. But whatever, it came out of nowhere because I wasn't ready for it. So success. Success. Exactly. I think that was, that was, uh, I think it was well done and it, it helps me deal with the fact that they gave us that gun information too a little bit. I kind of didn't like that before, but right. now that I see it as a distraction technique, I'm a little bit more okay with it because it paid off, you know, almost immediately later. Right. It made you focus on something else. It, right. It's exactly. It took my focus off what, you know, maybe I would have figured out had it not been there, the gun. Awesome. All right. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, here is a call from Jonathan. Hey gents, this is uh, Jonathan in Cleethorpes in the UK. Hope you're both well. Um, yeah, this episode really didn't land for me. Um, I just never felt that uh, Father Gabe or Aaron were ever in any actual danger during the Russian roulette scene. I didn't consider for a second that they uh, may actually die. It was, yeah, just waiting for them to find a way to get out of it. And in the end, even that was a bit lackluster. Um yeah, the, but the the twin was the low point for me. Um, seeing him pop up with his long hair and beard, I rolled my eyes, to be honest. Um, considered for a brief second that, oh, maybe if he's going to kind of become a, not a recurring character, but we'll see him again, or at least maybe bring him back to the group, it might be interesting to have such a broken man kind of join. And then, bang, he kills himself instantly. Um pointless i just i i just don't know where to go with it it was like a weird corny soap opera moment um yeah really struggle with this one um 
interested to see what you think too. Okay. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, Jonathan. And I wanted to include that because, you know, Anwen a minute ago was so positive on the episode and Jonathan was really pretty negative, which is, which is fine. I'm sorry, Jonathan, that you didn't love it, but I love the fact that people can come away with such strong opposite reactions to the same thing. That's great. I mean, it kind of means that it was a, uh, an episode that people have some opinions on and it affected you a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, it's having differing opinions is better than everybody going, meh. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. If everyone just is like, eh, that was all right, but you know, whatever, better to have people that loved it and hated it. Absolutely. Very, very cool. Thank you, Jonathan, for that. All right. Next, we have a call from Penny. Another call. Here we go. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Penny from Somerville, Massachusetts. Just got through listening to your podcast coverage of the episode One More featuring uh, Preacher Gabe and Aaron, who is my favorite Walking Dead character these days. I just wanted to uh, put a bug in your ear about Gabriel and his decision to summarily execute Maze like that. The show has built some ground for this in the past by showing how Gabriel is like a human lie detector. Remember when he was questioning Gamma and he was all, I know when you're lying and when you're not? I think he read Maze right off the bat, knew the man was violently deranged, and was just looking for his window to kill him. I 100% agree with his decision, even before we knew about the brother locked up in the attic. Anyway, uh, thanks for the podcast. I love it. I listen to it every week. And uh, hope you guys are surviving the pandemic well. Listen um, to you next week. Bye. Thanks, Penny. So, you know, Father Gabe, even though he, it seemed like he was trying to do the right thing and convert Maze over to the light side, never did he ever have any intention of not killing him or at least getting away and not bringing him back. Yeah. Uh, the only problem I have is, uh, you know, as soon as, it just personally, as soon as I'm absolutely sure about something, I'm wrong. And that's been true ever since I was a very young lad that, uh, the moment it's like, I'm absolutely sure I'm dead wrong. So, uh, I've, uh, I've learned rightfully so to doubt myself every step of the way without making hard and fast decisions. Uh, and especially, especially life and death decisions, uh, based on my gut feeling. I mean, that but I'm not father Gabe. No, no. Your your situation kind of feels like a situation where you'll end up never making a decision at all. Or you're yeah. going to have to go with your opposite, opposite of your gut instinct. Pull a Costanza. Uh, well, I never did the opposite things, but uh, I did go through a period of my life where I decided, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, I decided to not make decisions. <laughs> and what I did was I carried a... Uh, a coin in my pocket uh -huh. and, uh, I let that coin, much like Two-Face, before I even knew who Two-Face was, I used that coin to make every decision for like a week. Absolutely every one. What I was going to eat, what movie we rented at the Blockbuster, because, yep, that was a thing. Just like heads, it's this side of the, uh, of the blockbuster tails it's this side okay it's heads okay now heads this shelf tails this shelf and me and uh me and my friend mike we picked out a movie 
uh, that way. I forget what the movie was. It probably was crap, but uh, that coin made absolutely every decision for me because uh, I I never wanted to make one. Sounds so, fun. Anyway, Father <laughs> Father Gabe made a decision. He did not flip a coin. He uh, had a gut feeling. He went with that gut feeling. He uh, committed murder, and uh, everybody's okay with it. They went on their merry way. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Penny, for that. Next up here is an email from Tallahassee's Dumb Twin on the internet. And this listener did send in a much longer email that was all great, but it would take me forever to read. So I pulled this clip out about Robert Patrick. Tallahassee's Dumb Twin says, Mr. Patrick, our guest star, was both the best and the worst. The best was that for an actor of his status, they were happy to dispatch him quickly, twice. I had expected him to be a big bad, so kudos there. And kudos, too, for the brutal swing of the father. That was unexpected. But Russian roulette? Can't we be a little more original? All it did was remind me of the kid in Z Nation who has never seen a movie. So you've never seen The Deer Hunter? Lazy. If he wanted to be cruel, he should have made him play Monopoly or watch Coming to America. Coming number two, America as opposed to Coming One America, the first movie. Even the Grim Reaper plays Twister. That whole section just felt rushed and cheap, down to Patrick's wardrobe and makeup. Even the set reminded me of a bad 80s movie. It looked as though it had been lit to be nostalgic for VHS. I didn't buy Patrick's backstory. Yes, the people are, uh, people are people and can be bad. By the time we get to the shock reveal of a living brother, complete with Monty Python wig, are we supposed to believe that he has been handcuffed in the corner for how long? In silence? It looked for the world that, uh, that while his family were in an advanced state of decomposition, he had only been there for uh, minutes. Family rotting, but his wrists aren't even red from the cuffs. And now for something completely different. Actually, no, he shoots himself. No dilemma there. Huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's some issues, uh, but... I don't know if it quite goes to uh, Monty Python level of ridiculousness, but maybe. Yeah, it definitely was a, uh, a a scathing review of the episode. It was, it was, yeah. Um, and you know, I I didn't pick up on any of the, as you called it, the ripoff of of Deer Hunter, uh, because I haven't seen Deer Hunter, so all of that kind of worked a lot better for me than I think for some people. And, you know, I don't know. I thought Robert Patrick's uh, trench coat and wardrobe was actually pretty cool. Other than the fact that everybody on this show since the beginning of time has been kind of overdressed for the, for the weather. But what are you going to do? Well, I mean, you wear the clothes you need for the worst case scenario, right? I guess so, yeah. You don't wear, uh, you know, flip flop, flip flops and a tank top uh, to go out and fight zombies because... You know, you might end up running or falling down in the mud or something. <laughs> no, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Lots of leather. They can't bite through that as easy. <laughs> yeah. Leather. That's a great idea. A little hot though. <laughs> a little, a little hot. So tank top, flip flops and cutoffs. That's, uh, that's the new uniform. I love it. Yeah. That's good. All right. Next we have an email from, oh, where am I? Mindy on the internet. Mindy writes, I really enjoyed this episode. The Walking Dead has, for me, always been at its best when it reflects life and life's issues. 
This episode dealt with religion, good versus evil, and just being weary in general with life. I thought Father Gabe's memory about his uh, mentor was well-written, and then his line about evil not being the exception to the rule, so well done. And the other standout to this episode was Aaron. Ross Marquand gave a really great performance. His face sold the weirdness he felt near the beginning of the episode and the horror of Father Gabe's killing Maze. Overall, a great episode that wasn't just filler. It had something to say and advanced the character development of both Aaron and Gabe. Yeah, 100%. I love Ross Marquand. I'm glad they gave him and uh, Father Gabe an episode here because these are two characters that are often a little bit more backgroundy, right? They're, they're around yeah. and sometimes they do stuff and, you know, they're not as backgroundy as Scott, for example, the uh, Alexandrian who shows up once in a while. Yep. But still like these are, these are characters who have been around for so long and I loved seeing them brought to the forefront. Two really good actors too, you know, who, oh, yeah. who, Absolutely. who just did a bang up job. So I, I really appreciate it. Good character development. Um, and, you know, we've talked already a lot about, what this means sort of for Father Gabe and his attitude, but it was a good contrast between the two of these guys as well. Absolutely. All right. Next up is Happy Jack in Victoria, BC. I hear some people getting down on these episodes as being fillers or not meaning much to the overall narrative, but I feel like we've been lucky to even get these episodes at all. They could have just taken the easy way out and simply waited longer to start filming season 11 and still air them in late August as planned. Now that would have sucked. And I think most people would have, would have been more than happy to see our group sit around playing drunken cards than to not see them at all until then. The deeper dives into these characters has been enjoyable to watch as far as I'm concerned. And there definitely is overall story progression in my happy, humble opinion. Can't wait for the Here's Negan episode. It looks and sounds like it's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that one's going to be great. And so far, these episodes haven't been perfect, but I do think they've been worth it. And I'm enjoying them for the most part. So the uh, the Here's Negan episode, that's going to be the last one in this series? It is. It's number six. Number six. Okay. Or, well, six. We're three. We're halfway through already? We're halfway through already. That's right. Uh, uh, number six in this group, but what is it? 22 overall for season 10? Wow. Or something like that. Yeah. So wow. that's the last one. We've got three more. And uh, being Thursday, the next one's already up on uh, AMC+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the train does not stop. It does not. All right. Next, we have a call from Designer Will. Hey, Chris and Jason. Designer Will with some feedback for the episode titled One More. I just want to highlight things I liked about this episode because uh, while it wasn't perfect... I thought it was much, much better than the last couple episodes. At least I enjoyed it more. A few things that stood out to me was the lighting, music, and sound, and camera work really came together when Aaron and Gabe were playing cards. In particular, there's a scene where the camera's kind of doing a slow orbit. The kind of hair light or rim light on the guys, the music, just everything felt so good. Uh, I liked Gabe's monologue with the overhead camera view. That was pretty uh, unique, I thought. The chemistry and acting between these two as well, I thought was phenomenal. It didn't feel like acting. It really just felt very sincere. Um, I also wanted to point out that the flashlights, um, I don't think they were battery powered. Uh, I'm attaching an image 
I'm pretty sure, unless I'm misinterpreting this image, uh, you can see Aaron's flashlight has a solar cell zip tied onto it. So um, yeah, not a, not a battery issue. And I just like the setting and location of this episode for the most part. I thought it was cool. Um, but anyway, just wanted to share that. Again, I like this episode much more um, than the previous ones, and those were some of the things that stood out to me. Uh, hopefully we have more episodes that are kind of more in line with this. Um, but anyway, thanks for the episode, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks very much, Designer Will. So first of all, before we talk about the flashlights, uh, he mentioned that he just liked the lighting and the look and all the stuff of this. So I went and looked up who the cinematographer was, and it was a guy named Scott Kevin or Scott Cavan. I'm not sure. He was the cinematographer and director of photography for this episode, according to IMDb. So um, kudos to that guy. He uh, he did a really bang up job, uh, at least according to, design, to designer Will. And I think I agree. Yeah. Nice. Now, the solar, solar powered flashlights. Isn't that a joke? Solar powered flashlight. Uh, you know what? Designer Will did send a picture. It's it was brightened way up. There's a shot when Aaron is approaching the closet with the wild boar in it. His hand is pretty close to the camera and you can see the end of the flashlight. And it sure does look like there's a little solar panel zip tied to it. Um, and in fact, Designer Will's not the only listener that pointed that out. So I think it's a thing. So that can't be a thing. Like you have the little tiny solar powered thing. You'd have to leave it in the sun. Anyway, there's still a battery, mm -hmm. right? And it's still, then the battery goes through charge cycles and charge cycles reduce the effectiveness of batteries. I agree. So, uh, even though, you know, a little tiny solar panel like that would take a long time to recharge a battery and that actually makes a battery last longer. So, uh, but it just, it seems, I seem to recall a joke when I was a kid about having a solar powered flashlight, like a submarine with a screen door. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just one of those things that uh, is a mark of ridiculousness. But I guess we have the technology to have a solar powered uh, flashlight nowadays. Did we 10 years ago when this, uh, when the technology of the walking dead stopped well, good question. When you were a kid and you were making the joke about solar powered flashlights, I understand it because even rechargeable batteries, at least in the home, I don't think were really a thing then. Yeah. But you're, you're also right that just because there's a solar panel there doesn't mean there's no battery. There has to be something mm -hmm. to hold that charge and that thing isn't going to work very well eventually. But even if it did, yeah, don't forget the, the Walking Dead isn't 10 years ago anymore. It's, you know, they've been in the apocalypse for 10 years. No, but technology stopped, oh, right? right? They haven't been working on solar panel check uh, technology as well as battery technology for 10 years like we have. Of course, of course. Yeah, dumb. Um, you're right. So it's 10-year-old technology. Would it work? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's Eugene. Maybe he has made a breakthrough <laughs> and he's made all these solar-powered flashlights. Well, we've seen him do some wondrous technological feats in the past. Yeah. With that plane that played a really loud sound music. Remember he had a, a remote controlled plane? Oh yeah. He flew off the building that was very loud. Anyway, I wouldn't put it past Eugene to do something. Or if they had one of those flashlights that had the the, the crank on it, right? They had mm -hmm. the, the hand powered flashlight or one of those flashlights uh, that have a radio on it uh, where you have a, a crank, a hand, you know, circular crank instead of a push crank. 
anyway, who knows what, uh, <laughs> this flashlight, it's a magic flashlight. Maybe that's it. Maybe they found it, uh, you know, on the ground and they picked it up and it's powered by, uh, the ether. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's it, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility entirely, but you're right. A flashlight with a crank actually would make a lot more sense. Just crank it up a little, get two minutes of light and crank it again. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah, it's just crank, crank. They also have little batteries, right? They don't have, you can't just, well, it depends, right? You could have a capacitor, you could charge a capacitor, which is different than a battery to power the light. Mm -hmm. So it would be very short term if it was, uh, worked that way. You'd have to almost constantly crank it in order to, to have light come out of it. Well, uh, constantly cranking it, Jason, an experience not wholly unfamiliar to you. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, those, uh, those old bike lights that, uh, back in the seventies and eighties, yep. uh, where you had the light and it hooked up to the tire and there was no battery. It just, as we rode, the light went on because of a little tiny generator that was in there. There you go. Uh, see, that could work too. It but would, but you have, to have be, that. you have to be riding a bicycle everywhere you go. Or constantly spinning, <laughs> twirling, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> twirling, twirling, twirling towards victory. Or put maybe, a, you know, piezoelectric uh, pads in the bottom of your shoes, generate power as you walk. Hey man, if you they, know? if they couldn't, if they didn't have the technology for a tiny solar panel on a flashlight, I doubt they have piezoelectric panels for shoes. <laughs> I don't know. They've had light up shoes for a long time, right? Yeah. They have batteries. Kids shoes. <laughs> no, the, the little <laughs> shoes that, uh, uh, Jasper used to wear, he'd run and as he ran the, uh, and he hit the ground, the light would light up in the heel. There was no right? battery there was no, in there? There's oh, no yeah. battery in that. It's just, uh, it's the, the power of him running that powers those, uh, those lights. What happened to those shoes? We should get more of those shoes. He needs light up shoes, I think. Yeah. Well, ask him what he thinks about that tomorrow and he'll want to go to the store immediately. Uh, yeah, he, well, he doesn't, he He's long since uh, given up on going to stores. Oh. Uh, he now uh, says, hey, can you order this? Can you order that? Or when you do order stuff, can you check on the status of your order on your phone? <laughs> Is it coming today or tomorrow? <laughs> so he's right on top of everything. That's so funny. It's so funny how kids adapt or learn the technology of the time, right? I, Before we move on, I it drives me crazy that my kids refer to everything as a playlist. To them, there is no such thing as an album. There's, there's no albums. No. There's just, everything's a playlist, but like, but albums, like they're, they were built that way on purpose, the song order and, and the length and everything was very deliberate in some cases. It's not just a playlist put together by a dick. Like it's not well, how it used are, to work. Though. I mean, albums were uh, a convenient way to make more money. Right. Rather than just selling singles. Yeah. They wanted to, you know, they sold singles in the fifties, but then, uh, it started, you started packaging them together to, to make, uh, you know, more money. But mm -hmm. then, you know, the, the business of it, the problem with the music industry is that, uh, it's an industry. And the problem with the, uh, you know, the music industry as art is that it's an industry. The music, the problem with the music industry as, uh, as an industry is that it's art. Supposed it's, to be, yeah. It's it's a mix and a hodgepodge of a bunch of bullshit uh, on both sides. So albums were a convenience for fifty years, but we don't need them anymore. 
There's no reason to package things up in album form. Just release songs. Yeah, fine. Right? You're right. All the other filler bullshit uh, is there. There's no money in that, right? The, the artist, there's no money in putting out a song that isn't going to, uh, isn't going to chart. Like, why bother? Yeah. Just release three, you know, release songs as they get uh, recorded that you feel are going to be hits and the rest won't go anywhere. Like Prince's back catalog. He's got fucking albums, you know, hundreds of albums worth of material recorded, mastered in the can that he didn't feel fit on an album. Well, you make a good point, but I still think it's a funny indicator of how kids just learn what they know or learn the details of technology at the time, right? Yeah. Jasper doesn't go to stores. He orders everything online. My kids still go to stores, but they call them playlists. Yeah. And then one time we told him to change the channel and he said, what's a channel? There you go. <laughs> you mean go from, go from Netflix to Hulu <laughs> or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, like appointment television is absolutely not in his realm of experience no. and will never be. I don't think it will be. Where are we? Who, who, what's next here? <laughs> don't, all I that, Brad. All, all that from a talk about solar powered flashlights. <laughs> thanks. Thanks designer. Will. so it's Brad. Thanks. It is. All right. This is Brad from Indianapolis. Hey, uh, Chris, you definitely need to watch uh, the deer hunter and Jason. I disagree. This is clearly a homage to the deer hunter. Even to the point where Mays says, now, which was a lot like Mao in the Deer Hunter. So uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Brad. I do agree. I need to watch it. And I might actually rectify that in the near future. I think that's a movie I, have I should it. see. I ha- I'm 90% sure I have it in my catalog. Okay. Well, then uh, I'll, uh, it's got it. I'll check if it's streaming somewhere and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and... You know, that, uh, the line between homage and ripoff is so thin and not straight. So uh, it could go both ways, I suppose. Totally. Totally. It depends on what you like it. If you like it, it's an homage. If you don't like it, it's like, it's a ripoff. Got right? it. It's all, all, you know, random opinion. And it's, it's, may, it may not even be that clear either. Right. Yeah. At least it's not a life and death opinion. Like <laughs> yeah. Friggin' Father Gabe makes. Very good point. All right. Next, uh, next we have an email from Darren in Thornaby, UK. I too have the same affliction that every time I see Robert Patrick, uh, he is the Terminator. Not that I imagine he is. He is so much so that he stood all shadowy and menacing, like in his hood. My mind started to go. I can't think of the, the dumb, 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 dumb. No, How does it go? Terminator. Dun, dun, I've, dun, I've been dun, trying dun. racking my brain about that. Go dun, ahead. Dun, 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 dun. That's the Terminator. Okay. Theme. Thank you. And play <laughs> Terminator music. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed him in this role. Just wonder how he's connected to Maggie from the darkest timeline. Yeah. See, that's where this email all comes together here. Uh, what's the Terminator doing here and how is he connected to Maggie as the new villain of the show? Well, I don't discount it. Right. No, no. I'm, I haven't discounted it at all. Maggie didn't put this thing on her map. And there's a reason why it's not on the map. I mean, it very well could be that she never noticed it. Yep. Because Robert Patrick, uh, sorry, the Terminator is uh, very good at hiding. Uh, 
you know, he made sure that nobody would notice that uh, his uh, cooking thing that he had, his stove that he had, and the boar in the closet and all that stuff was not visible from the outside world. And I don't know if you noticed this, but when they went in, uh, there was a sign on the door that they came in through that said, uh, private entrance, no entry or something like that. So there was a sign that said, don't come in this door. Yeah. Enter at your own risk. Yeah. I might make you play Russian roulette and shoot yourself in the head. Uh, yeah, that could be true. Yeah. And just, and not being able to remember the music from uh, the Terminator, this is an affliction I've had for a long time. Even when I was playing in bands, (laughs) uh, we'd have a set list and you'd think that after playing a song 200 times that I would have it memorized like the the actual like i had the drum part memorized but the actual music part i didn't have memorized so luckily scott who we talked about last episode is a clown he was in the band i was in he had a habit of uh playing a little bit of the song to get used to it before we actually played the song so as he was talking and 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 giving banter doing banter and stuff he would play a little bit of the song it would give me that taste and I would have everything I needed from just one note or one chord that he would play. And it got to the point where he knew that I needed that in order to play the song. Otherwise I was fucked. Well, good. I did like, there was uh, a couple of times that I didn't get that taste and it just, that it would fall apart because (laughs) I'm not good at remembering shit like this. So thank you for that, Chris. All right. Well, there you go. Um, that's, he just worked it into the act when you guys were on stage. That's, that's a great idea. Well, his, his, Scott and I were good together. We've been playing together for a lot of years, uh, but his ticks, uh, complemented mine. Perfect. Right. It wasn't that we worked this out. It's just happened to be his growth as a musician and my growth as a musician meshed so well that, uh, that I needed him. Good. Well, that's all right. Band members need each other sometimes. It's good. Yeah. All right. One final email here from Chris in the UK, and I should have put this up when we were talking about batteries because it addresses that, but we will end with this small point this week, but for what it's worth, I bought a lightsaber in 1999, which took a couple of D batteries. The lightsaber is still running off those same batteries 22 years later. Not much in the way of use over time, but also no special or careful storage. It's 22 years, really? Jason, with a couple of batteries, so... And the batteries didn't explode into a grody mess that wrecked the lightsaber? I'm, I, I'm impressed. I am impressed, too. I mean, extremely high-quality batteries, maybe. I don't know, but uh, I've experienced that. You leave something sitting there long enough, and the battery just rusts or corrodes and becomes all battery acidy or whatever that is, and... Uh, okay. Yeah. So, but hey, if maybe for the right, if you have the right batteries, they can last for 22 years, which is plenty of time for our current zombie apocalypse. All right. So I've got, I'm sure I have flashlights that are 10 years old that have the same batteries in them that, uh, uh, that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to look around for them. And again, this is these, it would be in one of those boxes that I was wishing for the bag of holding feature where you could just reach in and grab what you wanted. Uh, it's in one of those boxes in the other room. Uh, don't hold your breath on me finding them anytime soon. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. But someday, someday you'll look them up and find out if those batteries still work. Yeah. If the, uh, batteries haven't exploded and eaten through the floor. (laughs) 
<laughs> made a hole. <laughs> yeah, just like the the um, alien blood, right? Could the, the the alien when it bleeds, it bleeds acid. Yep, that's like right. Really, really strong acid that eats through spaceships. You want to be careful with that. Yeah, like there's gravity. Anyway. Uh, we're talking aliens here and that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. The aliens haven't shown up on the show yet. We're still waiting, but. Yeah. Hey, I wouldn't put someday, it past them. Someday. Someday. All right. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote and called this week. Great stuff. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Everyone, if you want to get in touch with us, of course you can by, well, visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and click on send voicemail at the top, but be warned, I think maybe that thing is malfunctioning. So uh, maybe for the next little while, if you can, record on your phone and email it to us. Uh, but you're welcome to try the widget on the website too. It seems to just be a little wonky at the moment. I'll do my best to investigate and get it fixed ASAP. Uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead, or the safest way to do it is just send an email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Next episode of the walking dead is airing right now on AMC plus it will be on AMC TV on Sunday night at nine, and we will be recapping it next Tuesday evening for you later that night so if you want to do a title read go find the title because as usual i'm too dumb to uh, look it up ahead of time i yeah you'd think i could make a note to do that but i just never do uh find the title read it and uh fire it in would love to get some of those in time for next tuesday evening all right that's all for tonight everyone until next time my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening ciao